Hey, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 72. I'm really happy to be back from a little break. I feel a little bit more rested, but also, oh my gosh, there are new things. So I'll tell you really quick. Um, first of all, I made this announcement to my mailing list already. So if you're on there, you'll be hearing it again. But if you're not, then, um, I have the announcement that at the beginning of quarantine in like late May, June and some of July, I wrote a whole brand new album and I'm really excited about the material. It is even more pop than masks. So if you've been following my work, the first album Embark that I released in 2012 is very modern jazz um, with solos and long forms etc, etc. And then Masks, which just came out in May of 2020, um, is feels very pop to me. It might feel very jazz to people who never listen to jazz, um, but it's not a jazz album. It is a pop album and it is very produced and very, very background vocals and all the things. And this new music that I just finished writing is is that much more like that much farther away from Embark as Masks was. Does that make sense? Anyway, I'm really excited about it. The other thing that's new is I just um, got hired to teach as an adjunct faculty member in commercial music at the Utah Valley University, which I'm super excited about. I I love teaching. Um, I was teaching at BYU before and I loved the teaching I was doing. And as I've talked about many times, the culture wasn't a good fit for me. Um, but I'm, but I'm psyched to be teaching at UVU. I'm really, really excited. And, um, I'm just teaching private voice lessons there this semester, but, um, hopefully I'll do more at some point. And then the last big thing is kind of a bad news, but like, whatever, it's kind of exciting news. And that is that as a 32 year old woman, I have to get braces in two weeks. Um, because uh, my teeth have like a crossbite. And according to now several dentists, uh, it's causing like potentially root damage because when I bite down, it pushes my teeth, my teeth bones in a weird direction. And it's bad for my gums and the roots of my teeth. So I have to get braces, which is like a mega bummer and like a little bit funny. Um, And so, you know, I'll be posting, you know, photos of this journey as much as I won't want to, I'm going to do it. So those are the exciting things. Oh, I guess there is one other thing, which is, um, I've kind of rebranded the podcast intro and outro. I've noticed over the, you know, year plus a little that I've been doing this podcast that the mission that I kind of set out with at the beginning has changed a little bit. I find myself interested in slightly different topics. Um, you know, when I, when I wrote the intro, um, before I had recorded any episodes, I had an idea of what I wanted to talk about and, and what I would find. And yeah, it's just, it's just changed a little bit. So I thought I should update the intro, um, to reflect that. And, the intro music is now my music, which feels appropriate. Um, I wasn't ready to release this stuff before. So we've been using um, Jerem Hansen's awesome composition that he made, especially for this podcast. And I will always love it. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm happy to I'm happy to have music that I wrote um, 
bringing us in and taking us out. Um, and Jerem's music is still in our little ad segment. Um, so I think that's all. Um, happy September. Happy back to school time for those of you who are going. I know it's a stressful time for all of us. Um, and I hope everybody is staying safe and healthy and trying to keep morale up. Um, for some of us, the good news is, you know, winter's coming and that sometimes is really nice. I love the fall. I love the soups. I love cinnamon flavored things. I could, it, I'm neither here nor there with pumpkin. Um, I know it's controversial. I could, I could have it. I could, I could not have it, but cinnamon and all the soups, um, and just, you know, the, the fall vibes. I'm into all of it. So um, that'll be a little bit of a pick me up, I think, for me. And I hope some of you guys are feeling that well, that way as well. Okay. So today's guest is Mr. Jason Ball, who is a cinematographer. I've been trying to get a cinematographer on this podcast for so long. And I finally got one. And it's Jason Ball. And I loved talking with him. And I'm going to read you his bio now. Jason is an Emmy award-winning professional cinematographer with 20 plus years in film and television. He's been the director of photography on four features and countless shorts over his career, earning over a hundred awards. He has had unique a unique film education throughout his career, working as head of the camera department for the Sundance Filmmakers Program, which is a private film school headed by Robert Redford. Over 16 years at the Sundance Labs, Jason has had the opportunity to work and study under some of the best and most accomplished DPs in the film industry. His last year at Sundance, he ran the labs as labs production manager. In the past two years, Jason has taken the second largest Airgun e-commerce company in the United States and grown its social media followers to over five times its original size through video content he produced, filmed, and edited. He spends most of his time between LA and Utah as he continues in his pursuits of the perfect shot. And this is just the perfect episode to bring us back um, after a little hiatus. And I have got some great episodes that I've already recorded that are coming at you later in this month. And I just feel good right now. And I hope you guys feel good. And, you know, as always, I'd love to hear from you. Um, you know, I've been trying to think of ways to, I'd really love to have a better idea who's listening and have a better idea of what you want and what you're thinking. And I've been trying to think of different ways that I can kind of make it, make it clear, um, that I, that I want to hear from you, you know, about anything, like any episodes you've liked or things you'd like to hear or um, artists you'd like to hear from or things you think I'm wrong about or things that um, you've liked, you know, just anything you want. I'd, I'd love to know kind of who you are and, and where you are and what you do, um, how quarantine feels to you, how creativity feels to you, blah, 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 all the things. And if you write to me and tell me something... I will probably read read your email or text or whatever or talk about you in the intro of the podcast. So maybe that's a little incentive. Um, yeah. Okay. That's it. Here comes Jason. Great art almost feels like magic. It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists. And I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. 
And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. This episode of Artifice is brought to you by AM Salt. Back in episode nine, I interviewed private chef Aubrey Nicoli, and I'm so excited to dedicate this month's ad spot to her latest creation. Andrew and I have been using Aubrey's all-purpose season salt for about a month, and we are crazy about it. We put it on everything, eggs at breakfast time, sandwiches, pasta, and our favorite, the homemade pizzas we're making with our new backyard pizza oven. You can even mix it with brown sugar to make an amazing barbecue rub. To welcome this gorgeous salt into your spice cabinet, head to Instagram at am.nicoli.salt. That's am.nicoli.salt. And don't forget to mention Artifice for a discount when you direct message Aubrey to make your purchase. Yeah, is there anything in particular that you definitely like wanted to philosophize about? I can't remember now without looking at the. Uh, okay, well, if anything comes to mind, don't like just bring it up. Um, well, in that case, let's go ahead and start at the beginning. <laughs> okay. um, and can you tell me what you were like as a creative child? Uh, you know, uh, growing up, I was just a quiet little kid. Yeah. And um, I was lucky enough to have a mom who was artistic. And, um, she did woodworking. Cool. She did, uh, you know, sewing, but not just like little sewing, like, you know, the kind of amazing things you saw in like seventies catalogs. Wow. Um, you know, she would, she, she would build cars. She would build uh, train sets. She would build, oh my uh, gosh. um, just about anything. How did she like develop all those skills? She just had it in her, you know, it was, it, it was really funny because my mom was an accountant growing up. Cool. She had her own like kind of midlife crisis. She sounds amazing. And um, went back to school when I was in high school. Okay. And I, I, I totally respect that, I, even to this day, um, how hard that would be with three boys in the house and yeah. going back to, to college. You know, but she grew up, you know, she grew up in a time where, I mean, she was a kid in the 50s. Uh, and, you know, by, by the time she went to school, you know, for uh, college, she wanted to go uh, into college for photography. And society at the time said, you know, women shouldn't do that. Yeah. You have to understand this was the 60s. Yeah. And she listened to that, uh, I think, reluctantly, and she became an accountant. And uh, But she's she was always creative. She's just super creative. And um, so, you know, early on... Honestly, I wanted to be a Disney animator when I grew up. Yep. So I just, I just was always had You're a drawing all the always time. Always drawing, just drawing. And the, the culture in the family was very like super encouraging toward your artistic and creative endeavors. Sure, you know what? I wouldn't say it was super encouraging, but it was definitely like not uh, discouraged. Discouraged. Yeah. yeah well, know. and your mom. I mean, with just just the simple fact that your mom was making things. I think like that's a lot. That's really valuable. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, it 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 followed me in my schooling. So I mean, you know, early on, I could just draw, draw anything. And so in, you know, in elementary school, I would handle all the school posters. Yeah. In junior high, 
um, actually, no, it was still elementary school, but it was sixth grade. Ronald Reagan, he was president at the time, he, he commissioned like this, you know, every state will have a piece of artwork in the White House. Cool. And um, I represented Utah. Amazing. So That's crazy. my artwork was hanging in the and White you House. Were a, a, like a, in elementary school, you said? Uh-huh. Yeah. That's insane. Um, That's got to be like really a validating experience as think. a little kid. Okay, so yeah, I'll tell me about it. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, you know, it, it, it's, and it kind of continued on. So like my, my mom's woodworking. So I became, I could, I could woodwork like the best of them. And, and in junior high, they had, you know, uh, wood shop an advanced wood shop. And my mom knew the wood shop teacher. So I got into advanced woodshop without having to do yeah, cause beginning woodshop. She could tell the teacher like he knows some things. And and then Is that right? Like yeah. you had a you 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 had your prerequisites. Yeah, yeah. He was like, all right, <laughs> we'll let old Jason ball in. And uh the uh, final assignment of the year, you build all these things with the class, everyone's building the same thing. But then the final assignment is like you know, you can choose between a clock, a pretty ornate clock, or you can do something else. Oh, it was a bow. It was a it was a bow and arrow set, but like a compound bow. Okay. Okay. Um, and those were the only two things you could choose. Cool. And I went up to him and I, I told him, I don't want to do any of them. Yeah. I want to build a Lamborghini. <laughs> Remember, this was the 80s. Out of wood. Yeah. I want to build a Lamborghini out of wood. And I was the only one who was allowed to do that. Yeah. So, and I did that and I won first place. Cool. <laughs> and, <laughs> cool. Everyone's you know, like. In junior high and I, I, I still yeah. have my hammer to this day. I still That's use so it. funny. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So one thing that I'm obsessed with, you know, all the time, but like, I feel like especially lately, I, I really get on one about the difference between your art skills and creativity. Cause sometimes I think they go hand in hand, like, you know, sewing, drawing, cooking, and creativity, which is something that happens in your brain, maybe. Sure. Um, I understand that. So as, and, and lots of times when I'm talking to people who've become adult creatives, when they were really little, it was like one or the other. Like I talked to a lot of people who were extremely creative, you know, in their imagination, but they didn't have any skills. And then I talked to other people who maybe were taking piano lessons and they were great students, but they weren't, they didn't feel artful, that it feel creative. So when you were drawing, you know, making all these things as a little kid, um, did you also feel like you were, um, like, did you kind of identify yourself as like, I'm creative? Like, did you have stuff going on in your brain that you felt like this is brand new? Um, like, did you, did, did you also feel creativity being important to you? Sure. So to answer that question, I th- I think um, you know I think y- I agree with you. I think you can be taught technically yeah. how to be creative in, in the, you the can broad be taught like sense a, of the a word. Craft. You can be taught yeah. exactly a craft, but you can't really be creative. I know that I was in my head. I still am yeah. all the time. Me too. Um, <laughs> You know, and that's where my creativity goes. I'm just a dreamer. Yeah. You know, I tell yeah. my wife all the time. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. You know, you married a dreamer. Yeah. You married an artist. <laughs> yeah. I'm the like, same I way. am so good at some things and I am horrible at others. Yeah. You mean just, like you're, you get spacey? Oh, sometimes? I get very spacey. Yeah. 
I'm I like can, that I too. Can stay, I can, you know, just stare off into and, you know, be into my own yeah. world okay. quite fast. And I've always been that way. And yeah. I think that's, that's, I wouldn't say that's quite creativity, but that is, um, well, that's exactly the answer that I, I mean, that's the perfect kind of thing that I'm looking for. Like, mm-hmm. you know, cause when you're little, you don't know what creativity means, you know, sure. you're not thinking about it like that. Um, but yeah, like just kind of having a, an awareness that like the world that's inside your brain is like, especially something, you know, um, the world that's inside your brain is especially distracting to you or especially interesting to you. Um, I don't know. I think a lot. I mean, that was my experience as a child, too. Like, I definitely always felt very, um, very dreamy. And I'm still like that. But now as an adult, I know this is part of my creative process. That dreaminess is a precursor to like making something. Sure. But as a little kid, it's not always like that. Like, you don't always have the tools to make something, you know, but that precursor energy is there. Yeah. So, no, I like that. But I think I think if there's one thing I've learned doing this podcast and this will, this will be episode 72, I think. So I've done a lot of these interviews. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and if there's one thing I've discovered, it's that everybody's, everybody's different. You know, like I'll talk to people sometimes and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm the same way. And sometimes I'm like, really? That's so, I, I would never assume that someone who ended up in the same profession as me had like such a different relationship with their their art. So you were dreamy as a kid and were you like, this is such a hard question because how can you remember? But do you, do you remember being aware that like not all kids were in their brain like that? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I was, again, I was a quiet kid. I had friends. Uh, my mom would always tell me that, oh, you make friends very easily, but I could never relate to a lot of them. Yeah. And as I got older, I definitely um, started to see um, the difference between who I could relate to and who I could not. Yeah. Or whom I could not. And I'll give you an example of that. So uh, this is w- w- way later on. I'm now in my, I'm out of high school, but I'm still like, I'm, not, I'm either 19 or 20 or 20. Early, a late teen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've I I've always been um, fascinated with uh, with finances. I'm pretty good with my finances. You have to be as a freelancer. Yeah, but, amen. But I'm not like a genius about it. And but when you're lost in your twenties and you're like, I don't know what I should be when I grow up. Um, you know, and, and being a filmmaker or a cinematographer, which I am now, you know, that wasn't even on the. Yeah, you don't don't even know that word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Or that I could do it. Like that was a possibility. Yeah. So I, you know, I got a job working with, um, with this company that helped people get out of debt. And within like two or three months, I was their number one person in the Mm. entire company. Wow. Because I could talk to people. Yeah. Because I just listened to people. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, these yeah. are desperate people. They're just people. And, and, and what I realized was like how much I hated my coworkers. Yeah. Cause they were like the, 
they, they were, were selling that, or something. Know, in a way, they were selling. They had no empathy. They were all about mm. money. They mm. were the kids going to business school. I'm oh. like, you're going to business school? Like, that's what I was thinking about doing. I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to be around someone like you. Interesting. You know, and I just yeah. could never establish a relationship or even just a, a commonality with these people. Totally. And when I finally, um, you know, and it's, you know, I graduated school, I had a mid twenties crisis and ended up a cook, becoming a cook in the Grand Canyon for a year. Cool. Didn't even tell my parents where I was. Okay. You know, called them up a couple months later and say, Oh, just so you know, I'm living in Arizona. Yeah. And, um, I was a cook in the kitchen of the Jacob Lake Inn. Yeah. I'm aware of it. You know, I love yeah. that place. It was the best year the, of my life. Great cookies. You know, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right? It's so funny that you brought this up because I was literally just talking about this with my father-in-law like last week because <laughs> I grew up in Arizona. Okay. And so, um, I've made the the drive from Arizona oh, to sure. Utah a bunch of times and it's always like a treat to stop there. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just go up on the plateau on yeah. the 89 alt and just pick up your cookies and yeah. continue on. Get some cookies. I got some lemon cookies there oh, once the that were so good. Oh yeah. yeah. They're heavenly. <laughs> so that's where I was for a year. And I, and I still tell everyone to this day, it was the best year of my life. The best moments of my life were my kids being born, but the best year, year of my life yeah. was Jacob Lake. Cause I really just grew as a person. Yeah. And, and, and it was so surprising to me because I was running away from things. Yeah. Um, it was down there that I realized, well, why can't I be a, someone in the film industry? Yeah. Like I had at that point, you know, all through, uh, college and all through, um, high school, I, I was always with a camera in my hand or a video camera and, or a still camera and taking pictures, uh, making little videos, editing on two VCRs because that's what you did back then. There yeah. was no iMovie. There was no. Uh, there was no uh, computers that you could afford. Yeah. And um, they're, they're not ubiquitous like they are now. And yeah. So, you know, you had to edit off of two VCRs and I did that. And I just had a great time with my friends, but I never took it seriously. I never yeah. thought like this could be a career. Right. And then I was down there and that's when I realized, why can't this be a career? This is yeah. what I want to do. Yeah. And so I came back up and I, I honestly... I don't know how lucky I got. And and to this day, I still am like, I know this is where I, I need to be because I continually have doors or paths open to me mm. to stay in my, my industry. In this industry. And yeah. I got a job. I started hanging around the set of Touched by an Angel, if you okay. remember that show. I do, yeah. Touched by an Angel was shot in Utah. It ran nine seasons. And when I came back up, from Jacob Lake, they were on season six. Okay. Um, they were on season five. They were on season five. Oh, no. They were on season four when I started hanging <laughs> out with them. Yeah, no. Because I left season seven. Okay. At the end of season seven. So anyways, they were at the end of season four, and I started hanging out on the set. Like, yeah. I was just, I'm not invited. Yeah. I would just talk to anybody I could and yeah. be like. Uh, can I be here? I, yeah. you know, I am an able body. Put me to work. Yeah. And locations kind of, kind of took me in the locations department run by Marshall Moore, who then became, um, he's a wonderful man and became head of the Utah film commission for a time and now runs the, um, at least I think he still runs 
the movie uh, studios in uh, Park City. Okay. Uh, but Marshall Moore, he brought me in and, and started giving me uh, like little odd jobs. And I just worked faster and harder than anybody. Yeah. And I would just, anything, you know, go clean our, our yeah. locations cage in the warehouse. Okay. And I would yeah. spend all day doing it and I would do it better than anybody ever. Yeah. Did. And, you know, I, I had a job at the time, but I would constantly be sick or constantly have killing off all my grandparents. Yeah. Like I have to go to a yeah. funeral. Yeah. Because, you know, the calls would be yeah. random. It would be the day before. Hey, we have yeah. a big a big day. Totally. We could use an extra hand. Do you want to help? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I can. <laughs> and finally, you know, I got the phone call. You know, Marshall called and said, how would you like to work with us full time? Yeah. Amazing. And I've never looked back. Yeah. That's you know, such an amazing that, story of like, go ahead. Sorry. Well, well, just to finish the thought, besides never looking back, right? I remember being on set as as a new employee of Touch by an Angel of CBS and just standing on set in a house watching the grips and the electrics and props and wardrobe walk back and forth yeah. and the camera department setting up cameras and just uh, just the, the the busyness and the orchestration of a film yeah. crew. And just talking to these people, just these crazy people, like the grips telling just craziest stories or props telling the craziest stories. And I just realized these are my people. Yeah. Yeah. These yeah. are my people. This is yeah. where I belong. Totally. These are my people. They get me yeah. and I get them. Like, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. That's super. That's cool. And it's like, I've never been able to relate to anybody like that. Yeah. You know, I had a really similar experience. Like my first, um, my first couple of weeks in college, like I went to, I went to a music school in Texas. That's like one of the best jazz studies programs in the world. So the people who end up there are like obsessed, mm, mm -hmm. you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just like hearing the conversation, like I just remember like, I, you know, I grew up in Mesa, Arizona. I moved to Utah. I went to BYU for one year. Um, and then I went out to North Texas. I auditioned out there and I, I just remember like walking through the hallways and hearing conversations happening and just having this feeling like, oh, I'm at, like, I've arrived. <laughs> like that same thing that you described of like, you know, just feeling out of place forever. Mm -hmm. And then just being like this, I get this. I didn't know that there were other people that like were like this. I like how you said that. Yeah. And here, and here there is hundreds of us <laughs> in one, in one space, you know? <laughs> Um, yeah. Okay. So I love to talk with people about their childhoods because ultimately the thing that I'm interested in with this podcast is what allows us to, to continue being creative into our adulthoods. I think creativity is so important. I think the arts are important. Oh, absolutely. Um, but Critically. I also, absolutely. Amen. Um, yeah, the arts are important and like beyond the arts, just creativity is important in whatever field you're in, you know, art or art or not. But I do think that artists are doing creativity in like such a specific way. Um, I like to talk with artists about what happened in your development that like allowed you to make this weird choice to, to, prioritize creativity. Um, so as we're talking about, I mean, I think we, 
we were talking about like how you kind of were identifying as a child. Um, and that's what got us on the story of like finding your people on the set of touched by an angel. Um, yeah, we made a big jump. It's great. I loved it. I mean, sometimes I'll be like, wait, 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 hold on. Let's tell the story (laughs) later. But no, that was perfect. It gives me like a ton of information. So what I want to know is, you know, you're a little kid, you're creative all the time. You're living in a, you know, you're, you're dreamy all the time. Um, and you're aware that you're different, but I'm curious how did you feel about it? Like, did you feel like it was a positive? Did you feel confused about it? Or did it, did it feel like this is something that I am and I, and I really like it? No, I didn't embrace it at all until I was older. Okay. Okay. You know, I thought I was uh, like different. Yeah. You know, I mean, teachers were like, I would often get, Oh, Jason's a lovely student. Yeah. But he's a wallflower. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think what what i i liked about the talents that i had was i had an innate uh i had an innate gift for just observation yeah and i think that a lot of creatives and a lot of pioneers yeah. and you can be a pioneer in science right right you can be a pioneer in finance right you can be a pioneer in anything um but I think it all comes from, to a degree, uh, this art of observation. Yeah. So I would, I would, you know, I often tell people, those that are really close to me know that I probably know more about them yeah. in, in five minutes of watching them yeah. than they will. Than, I think than, I'm like that too. I know, mean, I don't know. I don't know that there are enough people close to me that they would, that they would know that, but I, but I, (laughs) I think it's true. Um, yeah, I feel a similar way. And, and, um, I'm glad you said that because, you know, when I said before, like the thing that I'm getting at with this podcast is that creativity is important. And I think it's that like just what you just said, there's something, there's something about being an artist and being, and being a pioneer, being a creative. I think there's tons of overlap, right? Like I totally agree. There's like the arts where we're all creative. And then there are creatives in every, there are creatives in every field. Um, but I, I fully agree that like it's, it's observation and curiosity, curiosity about other people. Exactly. There's a curiosity and then, there's, um, there's, for me, there's a desire to tell a story. Yeah. And, and that's why I, I think another reason why I kind of gravitated to film, like I'm not a director, I'm a director of photography. I handle the camera. Yeah. I handle the lighting for, for uh, movies. Yeah. I'm very important. I'm just, I'm the, one of the only few people that share the title of director. I'm yeah. just director of photography. Right. You know, but I'm, I'm pretty much this, the, the second most important person on the set. Yeah. You're controlling um, a lot. Cause I, yeah, I control the look and feel of it. Yeah. I'm interpreting what the director wants. Yeah. And, and he puts his trust into me going, okay, I trust you. Go get it yeah. for me. So I can worry about, um, the, sto- the, the story, story yeah. and the emotional connection with yeah. our actors. That's yeah. what a director really does. Right. Um, and the look of it is what the DP does. Yeah. Director of photography. Um, it's still telling a story though. Totally. And, and, and there comes a point where, I mean, like I have to know how to tell that story. So yeah. I have to like have a lot of, uh, 
you know, I have to rely on a lot of uh, past experiences. Yeah. And that doesn't have to, and that could be a myriad of things, whether it's observation of experiences or actually living the experiences. Right. I think you could do both. Totally. I honestly think you can do both. I feel the same way. You know, it's just amazing to me when you just actually quiet yourself for a second, sit down and look out or look up. Especially yeah. now today, really with, trying when to take in another person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. there's no room anymore to look up. Yeah, and to see what's going on, and you can just, it, it just, it's, it's important. Just amazing, it, it? it is. It's amazing, and it's really important. And I think that skill of having kind of curiosity about other people, and yeah, like a storytelling element. You know, it's not maybe anyone's job to infer someone else's story but like knowing that that person has a story and being curious about it and you know trying to make some connections that's really important work um okay I have just one more question about your childhood Mm -hmm. so your mom's a creative but she but I want to know so you weren't feeling um you weren't feeling like you had a gift you were just feeling like, I don't know, I'm something's different. Um, did adults in your life, maybe like especially your mom, like talk to you like you were gifted? No, that's actually a really um, wonderful and complicated question. Yeah. Emotional question too, yeah. I think. But um, my mother is probably one of the most amazing people you will ever meet. She terrifies people. She's like five foot six. She should have been a lawyer. If she did, she would have been the, one of the best. Like, yeah, she probably would have ended up on the Supreme Court. Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up uh, in Salt Lake City on the avenues. Um, we live in a house that's about a, over 150 years old now. Wow. Um, it's one of the first, one of the oldest houses on the avenues. Yeah. And. Um, you know, my mom, the, 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 the local PTA is terrified of my mom. Yeah. The um, Avenue's Historical Committee is terrified of my mom. Yeah. Uh, city government is terrified <laughs> of my mom. Oh, my gosh. I mean, she's just this little yeah. five foot six spitfire yeah. woman who will just yeah. destroy you. Not like gentle. Uh, not at all. Yeah. And, and I think I spent my entire childhood, even up until my 20s, Trying to please my mother. Yeah, I I never I got any a similar praise. experience. Like I remember again, yeah. like winning, you know, winning that hammer. I won first place for my Lamborghini. Yeah. I worked my butt off. This thing's gorgeous. Yeah. And my mom was just like, my mom's That's the nice. same way. Uh, she passed like, away a couple years ago, but yeah, no, um, no zero praise. Yeah, zero praise. Criticism abounding. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it wasn't until like my late twenties that I realized how amazing my mother really was. Uh, in other ways, right? Yeah. Like I, I grew enough as a person to be like, my mom really fought for us. Yeah. You know, that's why, you know, like again, school boards terrified of my mom. Yeah, yeah. Because she fought she for us. She was advocating. She fought for, you know, she was a single parent. Uh, my mom and dad got a divorce when I was seven. My dad, had we been raised by him, we would have all been jocks. Yeah. Uh, the ball side of the family is incredibly athletic. Um, my brothers and I, are very athletic, but we 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 went into like the eccentric sports, which now are mainstay sports, yeah, but, or mainstream sports. But back in the eighties, mountain biking was crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I yeah. would explain to people what I did, and they were like, "You go down a mountain on a." 
by. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, that was the 80s. Yeah. You know? I yeah. tell my boys now that have all these, you know, they have all the bikes with the shocks and the rear shocks. And I'm like, dude, when this I was, was biking, that thing. wasn't even yeah. invented. <laughs> and they're just like, how did you do it, Dad? I'm like, you just it did it. It was scary. You, you had no idea we what you were doing. almost died all the time. Yeah. You know? Okay, um, that's really helpful context. So she was like inspiring all this creativity by modeling it. I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know that inspiring is the right word, but she was modeling all this creativity, at least giving you the idea that it's a thing. You know, like yeah. I didn't see creatives in my childhood. Like I don't, I didn't see creativity happening. Um, so, I mean, I know that that's at least a piece, but totally not like encouraging your sensitivity. Oh, not at all. Yeah. You know, not okay. at all. But my mom did do something quite amazing. You know, my dad, um, I have a great relationship with my dad. Actually, my mom and my dad's relationship with each other is also wonderful. In fact, many people think they're still married or in love yeah. because of how they act. Yeah. That just didn't work it out, right? It just wasn't the right match. But my dad was never there, especially in the, the younger years, because he was a referee. Okay. He was an NCAA and NBA referee. Okay. Um, so he was always gone, always yeah. traveling. My mom thought it was a good idea that we had uh, a male figure in our life. So she uh, got us hooked up with the uh, Big Brothers and Big Sisters okay. program. Okay, cool. And um, so my big brother is, is, was, is, to this day, I still talk to him. I talked to him actually last month. Oh, my gosh. Um, so it's been a relationship for over 30-plus years. Wow. Um, his name is Gary Bentz. He is a wonderful, very loud, very boisterous Puerto Rican. Cool. You know? Yeah. Uh, grew up, was born in Puerto Rico. Uh, uh, grew up here in, in Utah. Went to, went to the U. That's when I knew him. Uh, left. Uh, started his own ad agency in Denver. Went to uh, Dallas and ended up in Florida. And, uh, you know, I still know him to this day. Yeah. But Gary was the one who yeah. really made me uncomfortable almost every time we, yeah. we went out together because he was pushing me creatively. Yeah. Cool. He was introducing me to people. He's like, Jason, you draw? Let me show you this program. Yeah. Um, it's called Photoshop. Cool. But now yeah. Photoshop is so ubiquitous. Yeah. This was version one. Right. This was he on was, a... He was curious on your behalf. This was a, cool. a friend of his who who has a $20,000 computer. Oh my gosh. You know, in an office building, he's an architect and he has a version of Photoshop 1. Yeah. Wow. And he goes, look, you can scan. I mean, you have to understand this was the yeah. 80s. Yeah. Look, you can <laughs> scan your face. It's yeah. amazing. Like, it's great. Like, look, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and you can put it in a computer. Yeah. And... So I would meet him and spend an hour, two yeah. hours with him as he taught me this program and what yeah. you could do with it and what the future looked like. Yeah. We would, we would design things all the time for the University of Utah. Yeah. Um, or I would help Gary, at least. He would, yeah. he would be designing them. Yeah. Uh, I would help in his fraternity. Really you know, yeah. I was like the adopted little fraternity brother. Yeah. You know? And he was, he was modeling that curiosity and that sensitivity and kind of letting you feel like you had something that deserved attention. You know, there's only two people in my life that have shaped who I am as a person. And Gary Bentz is one of them. Yeah. Amazing. So shout out to him. I love that story. <laughs> that's, that's incredible. 
Okay, let's just quickly talk about your teen years. I find that lots of times when people are in their teens, that's when they start getting like getting serious about a, a craft. So, you know, we've talked talking about this, this dreaminess in your childhood, you're drawing, you're doing some woodworking. And you told me a little bit about, you know, making the Lamborghini. Um, so you were interested in film in your teens? No, not really. Not um, until later. I mean, I was, I, I made little movies. Okay. Uh, well, what we about made funny little things? What about or in the I sense of girls out? You know, we did yeah, on the, a did little mine, thing. I did yeah. mine with videos for the dances. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know if that's a thing everywhere, but it's definitely a thing. It's definitely a thing in some places to ask right. someone to a dance in like a big creative, <laughs> a big creative showy way. way. Yeah, it's definitely a thing in Arizona, but I, it, I don't think that's a thing everywhere. Could it was be wrong. A thing here. Yeah, at least we're my yeah. school. It was. The thing. I'm sure it's still. I mean, I know it still is. I have. I have a sister-in-law who just graduated from high school and it, it was still a thing two years ago. So I think it, it safely still is. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, so what about just like watching films? Like were you, oh, sure. so you were, you were consuming film in like a, like, you know, cinematography is something that like, like I, I consider myself to be like a, you know, a responsible art consumer. Like I'm really curious about art. I like all kinds of art. I don't expect things to like entertain me. You know, I'm curious about them for, for what the artist meant for them to be. Um, but cinematography is something that I only barely am aware of, you know, um, as an, as an adult, I've, I, I want to be more aware. So I've, I listen to podcasts, you know, that talk about different TV shows and how they're cut and how they're edited and, and then when I'm going and watching the show again, I'll, I'll maybe start to notice things about the shot, you know, but it's something that as a child, as a teen, as even a, a young adult, I never thought about at all. I thought about dialogue. I thought about acting. I thought about, you know, I don't know, set design, costuming. All I never, <laughs> I never thought about cinematography. So I, my question is, were you like, were you aware of, were you watching films that way as a teen? Yes. How did you like think to do it? Like what kinds of things were you thinking about? Like how did it enter your mind to like okay. think about film that so way? So as a teen, the, my teenage years were 89 to 95 or four. You know? Okay. Uh, high school was 89 to 93. Okay. So the beginning of the nineties, I was a total child of the eighties, born in the seventies, total child of the eighties. What that means is I watched a lot of TV. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I grew up like, you know, like Spielberg and Lucas before me, they grew up watching Western serials. Okay. And that's what Star Wars is. It's just a big, huge space age Western. Totally. Serial. Yeah. You know? Uh, I grew up watching them. Right. So, I mean, I remember seeing Empire Strikes Back. I, I My dad said he took me to... Uh, to Star Wars, but I would have been two. Yeah. I don't remember that. I do remember Empire. I totally remember Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Jabba the Hutt scared the hell out of me. Yeah. Well, he's um, terrifying. I remember E.T. I remember Indiana Jones. I remember Karate Kid. Like, these are films I remember in the theater. Yeah. And, but again, the observation, the observationalist, is that a word? Yeah. You know, yeah. we'll make it a word. I think so. The, uh, you know, the, uh, the person that I, that I am that would just sit and watch was 
I was always fascinated about how um, how you could get so much emotion out of these films. Yeah. And to a degree, it is the actors, absolutely. Yeah. But as I watched these films, I discovered that it, the language of the camera yeah. was stronger. Yeah, you just noticed it. There was a it. psychology yeah. to that that I figured out early on. Yeah. Like, oh, I get this. Yeah. I get when you pull the camera down low, yeah. you're making the audience feel insecure. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's a subconscious thing. Totally. But, but they're doing it. What yeah. a trick. I love that trick. Yeah. Got to remember that trick. Yeah. You yeah. know, most, uh, you know, when I watch student films today, you know, they're all just right you know, level with your Our eyes. Level, yeah. And I'm just like, you guys are missing out on so yeah. much storytelling yeah. that can be done by right. placing the camera in other places. Yeah. And so as I grew older, I started watching movies for the cinematography. And totally. I started finding the films that I just loved, you know. I think 2001, A Space Odyssey by Stanley Kubrick. It's my number one film of all time. It still is. But it was my number one film when I was in high school. And that's like a three-hour movie that is slow. Yeah. Right? And, you know, I grew up in the 80s where things were fast. Yeah. You know, movies up until Star Wars were very slow-paced. Yeah. Star Wars, that's what made Star Wars so famous. Yeah. Uh, Besides... You the, know, the spaceness the, the, of it. Just how epic it was. <laughs> yeah. um, it was the fact that it was cut so fast. Yeah. That was brand new. Yeah. I mean, you look at Star Wars today and go, that's eh, kind of slow for today's standards. Yeah. But you have to understand for yeah. 77, it blew people out of the water. Yeah. The critics were saying that the, 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 the scene at the end with the TIE fighters and the, the uh, X-Wings fighting, uh, trying to blow up the Death Star. Yeah. That... People wouldn't understand it. This is what critics were yeah. saying because it was cut too yeah. fast. They're like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Your mind I'm totally overwhelmed. Yes. And your mind <laughs> won't understand that. Yeah. They were wrong. People loved it. Yeah. They felt like they were in it. And then MTV made that even faster. Yeah. With music videos. Right. And, you know, music now, videos are crazy. Now <laughs> the cuts. it's so fast. Yeah. Right. But Star Wars was the original. Sure. Um, but you loved the Space Odyssey because the shots were so creative. Uh, Star Wars seen, wasn't too creative shot-wise. Oh, uh, or, or Odyssey yeah, was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. No. 2001 A Space Odyssey. I see what you're saying. Yeah. That one was. Uh, it is so beautifully shot. Yeah. I haven't seen it. It is so incredible. And I love that kind of style. Yeah. And I love the emotion that Stanley Kubrick pulls out with the camera. Yeah. He, and, and he started his career as a photographer. Yeah. As a journalist in New York. Cool. And, and I just felt like, sure, in high school, that's where I started honing my... Your eye. My love. Yeah, like, sure. Yeah, my eye. Absolutely. Yeah. But like I abandoned art. I mean, I still draw. Yeah. But... It um, wasn't your main focus. It's not... Yeah. I, I, by that time, if you were to say, Jason, are you going to be a Disney animator still? No, that was yeah. when I was a kid. Okay. You know, yeah. I had abandoned, abandoned that. I'm good at woodworking, but yeah, yeah, that's not a career. So you were thinking, you were thinking in your teens, 
you were thinking about film as a career. No, I never did. I never thought it. Because again, I think I kind of, my mom always said that's not a career that's sustainable. She said the same thing that people said to her in the 60s. Yeah. Oh man, (laughs) I can't, I just can't. Yeah. You know, and... uh, what do you think about it? Like, I mean, what, do, what, what, do you, what would you tell young people now? Like how, how, I mean, I feel like this is something that's such a perennial thing. Like I'll think of it. I, when I have students, I mean, I teach teenagers. Sure. I just started like 17 sentences in there. I teach teenagers a lot. Um, and I'll really frequently have students who will say like, I want to be the next Megan Trainer, or I want to be the next Taylor Swift. And I'm always like, it's too late. <laughs> Taylor Swift was already famous when she was your age. <laughs> but um, but I really wrestle sometimes with what and how to recommend things. And from my perspective, you know, I feel pretty practical about it. Like mm-hmm. being a freelancer is hard. Yeah. Being absolutely. a professional artist is really hard. Yes. Um it is not for the faint of heart. But if you are obsessed with it, then like, sure, you can do it. You yeah. can definitely do it. Absolutely. But I have a really hard time, like, knowing how to advise teenagers sometimes because I, I feel like I I never want to tell them this. It feels unethical to me. But I'll feel like I can I can look at them and know, like, mm-hmm. you don't love it enough. Yes. yes. Yeah. I, and I, I don't want to say thing. that. I know they're going to figure it out on their own. Yep. Um. But, but yeah, so, so, so I, I, I have two stories for that and I completely and wholeheartedly agree. I also, I don't, I, I, I do teach. I don't teach directly. Like I, I guess I should say it this way. I've had opportunities to go into the high schools for career days. I, I went to talk to my, uh, my, uh, uh, my middle son, one of my middle sons, I have four kids, uh, his, uh. It, this was elementary school. I went to talk about being a filmmaker. Yeah. You know, and these are elementary school kids. So I'm just like, it's fun. I've seen movie right. stars, blah, yeah. blah, blah. I work with a big camera and I bring one of the big cameras. Yeah. Here's a big camera. Whoa. You yeah. Know. Um, but the, 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 uh, one of the ladies from the district saw me and was just like, Hey, we would love for you to talk in the high schools yeah. for career day. Can you do that? Would you, would you want to do that? And I'm yeah. like, I would love to do that. Yeah. And so I shot kids when I, when I, when I talked to them in high school, Yeah. you know, cause I fill up a room yeah. full of all these kids that all want to be influencers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is the they thing do. Today. Yeah. I'm like, who wants to be in the film industry? And they're like, Oh, we all want a, a YouTube career. Oh my gosh. But yeah. I'm like, okay, but you want to do film in some s- s- form, right? Is that, Everyone raise their hand if they want to do that. Yeah. Okay. Congratulations. You're all business majors. Yeah. And they just like, look at me like, what? Yeah. And I'm like, cause here's the one thing film schools will not teach you. Yeah. First of all, don't go to film school. I can get into that <laughs> later. On. But they will not teach you how to network. Yeah. They will not teach you how to be good with your finances. Yeah. And they will not teach you how to market yourself. Yeah. Guess what does? Yeah. Business. Yeah. And and when the film industry chews you up and spits you out because you're not, like you said, yeah. you're dedicated to it. Yeah. You don't have a worthless degree that mm. just means like, oh, I've got a film degree, hire me. Yeah. You've got a business degree that's worth something in the in this world. Yeah. You know? It's hard, right? That's what I meant. Like, <laughs> how do you give advice about it? Because it is hard. Oh, it is so hard. And I mean like, I've worked I 
I, I tell kids like I have I have I have made, you know, in one year I've made, you know, like hundred thirty thousand dollars in a year. Great. And then the very next yeah. year I made nineteen. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's such a thing. I was just talk- I was just I I was just thinking about this because this year's one of those years, right? It's oh, one absolutely. of those horrible years. It's a black swan event, uh, yes. I call it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I also have had years um where I'm I you know, I'm like, well, I make as much as a computer scientist, you know? Yeah. And then I have years where I'm like, wow, this this isn't sustainable. Yeah. And then the next year it's like, oh, okay, well, yeah. I mean, this is yeah. Uh, it's oh, during crazy the, during the 08, <laughs> 08 to 10 crash. You know, if it yeah. wasn't for my savings, I would have lost my house. Well, and that's, I remember like telling my yeah. mom this, I'm like, Oh mom, I haven't worked in forever. She's like, well, you chose the life of an artist. And that, but that, <laughs> I'm like, thanks mom. You're so right about that <laughs> thing you said though, about the savings though, you know, and when you were talking about how, you know, your art degree won't teach you how to manage your finances. That is true. (laughs) And I wonder, you know, if the thing that you and I have in common, because I I do have an art degree. I mean, I have a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in jazz performance, which is a very worthless degree, except that I went to an amazing school that kicked my butt. So I learned, you know, I learned how to be really good at my craft. Um, But practical skills, zero. I think music schools are trying to do better now. Um, but my dad's an entrepreneur. My dad's a lawyer and he owned his own practice. And I learned a lot about that. I learned a lot about finances and stuff like that from watching my parents. Yeah. You know, my mom so, was an accountant. Yeah. So you kind of, <laughs> you was, get some of that. She can stretch a penny. Right. Than anyone and then I've like this year, life. you know, my husband is in, my husband has a PhD in material science. So he, he's an engineer. Um, so his job is stable, yeah. which is really nice. And we get benefits through his job. But there were, you know, four years that he was working on that PhD that I was paying all of our bills and, yeah. you know, out of pocket health insurance. And, um, you know, it, it works when you're obsessive and when you save everything and spend way less than what you make because you just don't know what the next year is going to look like. You don't know what the next month is going to look like. Yeah. I would tell the kids now, do I live the $130,000 lifestyle or do I live the $19,000 lifestyle? The answer is neither. I live somewhere in between. Yeah. And you have to know. And you have to know what's going to average out. You have to know where that is. Yeah. And you have to constantly look at your financing and when the kind of quality of life that you want and, and go from there. Yeah. But it's, that's it's, good advice. You know, it's kids don't think about any of that. Yeah. They just were like, oh, I want to be famous now. Yeah. 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 I'm yeah. going to just sit and wait till it hits me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know? So, okay. So in your teens, um, you were caring about film a whole lot. Yes. But I it wasn't it. something that you thought you could do. Um, what about, so I like to talk about creativity. I like to talk about craft. Sure. I like to talk about, creativity as it applies to like other, you know, whatever it can apply to the art. It can also apply just to how you see your life, how you see people. Um, and I also like to talk about identity, like how you see yourself as a, as an artist, how you see yourself as a creative, what's your relationship to the things you make or the things that inspire you. So we, we've kind of talked about the craft in your teen years, which was not maybe doing that much, but thinking a whole lot, like studying, developing a, a voice, developing an eye. Um, is there anything else you want to say about the development of your creativity or your creative identity during your teen years? 
You know, I just think that by the time I was like a junior and senior in high school, I was pretty wild and, and, you know, I had, I had a great group of friends. Um, we were all just troublemakers. Um, and, uh, you know, it was one of those things where my, my wife to this day says, you know, when I tell some of these stor- stories, they're like, yeah, you were the enabler, Jason. I was like, Me? I was not. <laughs> it's like, I didn't come up with them. There were like two main people in our groups that came up with the trouble. Like, and yeah. she's like, no, 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 you don't understand the difference. They came up with them, but then you were the one going, Here's I know how, how to we get do this it. Done. Yeah. And you did it. Oh and my I'm just gosh. Like, oh my gosh. I am the enabler. Like, that's horrible. I'm a horrible person. <laughs> you know? And we would, we would just, just have all these adventures. And this is what happens when, when, uh, and, and what's really bad, I, 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 I tell my kids, don't do anything that I did in high school. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and none of it had to do with any drugs or alcohol. And I think that's the reason why. It's like, we were sober and we had no drugs. So we were bored. And yeah. bored people that are creative. Get into mischief. Yeah. Get into mischief. Yeah. Even more mischief. In fact, it's worse because there's malice and forethought involved. Yeah. <laughs> I always said that. <laughs> I was like, so that funny. made our stuff even worse. It's like, we chose to do this. What did you do? Oh, I can't. <laughs> yeah. Not important. Let's say that... <laughs> That I would spend, if I got caught on some of the things, there would be federal time. Okay. <laughs> Wiretapping. Oh my gosh. I, I can tell you one. Uh, we, 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 were, we, we came up with like jolt nights where we would drink a six pack of jolt. Do you remember jolt? Jolt no. was like, jolt's like the, the first version of like a rock star. Oh, Red a, Bull. Okay. Or a Red Bull. Okay. Right. It was called jolt. Okay. On the can, it said twice the caffeine, twice the sugar. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We would we would go to a movie theater, and the the rules were you had to drink three jolts before you go into the movie. Oh my gosh, heart attack! And then you had to drink the other three jolts during the what? movie. <laughs> so it, it could it you could pound them at the very beginning. You could nurse them all the way through, or you can hurry and drink them at the end. But you had to finish the three jolts. Yeah. So by the time you're getting out of the movie, you're like on six cans of jolt. That's. And so it doesn't matter what movie it is. It's a great movie because you're just so high on (laughs) caffeine and sugar that you're laughing at everything. Well, we decided like, and this was in sugar house, a little borough in Salt Lake. And and a lot of my friends live close by there. And we decided we we came off of a jolt night coming out of a movie theater and we're just like, let's drive home backwards. Oh my gosh. So we did. I see. I see what kind of mischief you were were doing. Like 21st South driving backwards in line with all these other cars. Oh my gosh. And we made it we made it almost all the way home before we got pulled over by a cop. We oh got my pulled gosh. over by a cop in the <laughs> neighborhood, not on the main street. It was crazy. You guys were so, so. bored. You sound <laughs> bored. Um okay. Great. Okay, this gives me an idea. So you start out as a business major. We we know the story about how I went you went into history actually. Okay, cool. I just loved business, but I just had jobs okay. in business. And then that, that year that you were at Jacob Lake, you, um, can you tell me like m- more specifically what, what changed? Like what was the thought process that you thought I could do film? So I was done with school. I was miserable. I really didn't want to Oh, you had graduated. A, I, uh, okay. I didn't want to be a teacher because I think that's where I was heading. Yeah. And uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. 
I was just still like, I'm just not satisfied. Like I wasn't really happy with any of this. Like there's gotta be more to life. And I started thinking about what made me the happiest. It was when I was making my little movies. It was when I was, had a camera in my hand. It was when I was taking pictures and developing them, like legit developing them, like in a dark room. In a dark room. Um, And then, then it just kind of hit me. I was like, well, why can't I do this for a living? Yeah. Who's to stop me? Yeah. Who says, this is my life. It's so ridiculous that people tell us this thing of like, you can't do it because it's like, okay, but there are people who do, you know, that there are, you know, that there are people who do. So like the, the, the question isn't, is this a job? It's a job. The question is like, can it be my job? Yeah. You know, that's, that's a more useful question. I think you just have to go through that, like baptism by fire to really like, I can do this. No, I want to do this. Yeah. And then from there, things just kind of fell into place. Now I still had to work hard. I still had to, I, you know, uh, nothing came easy. I I had opportunities and I jumped at them, but, uh, like touched by an angel. But again, like it wasn't easy. Like (laughs) my jobs were all pissed at me until I, until I got, until you were doing full time job, yeah. With you were you were angel. like a bad employee while you were trying and to be that's a good. Not me at all, yeah. right? You right. Know? And that's not me at all. But I'm like, I'm trying to do something, and I don't know what, and I don't know how this is going to end up, and it's kind of scary. I talk and with my guests a lot about how this kind of thing is is like a meta creativity, like um, hacking your life so that you can try to figure it out because it is yeah. such a you're so right. It's like, I'm trying to do this thing. I don't know exactly how it's going to happen. I'm there's trial and error involved and having this kind of big picture creativity of like, how can I do it? I mean, and and your story, like really specifically about just like haunting the set, you know, just like, like lurking around, I did. you know, lurk like that's creative too. Like that takes a creative energy to be like, well, maybe I'll just go there. Yeah. You know, and maybe I'll just that. chat with people. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> yep. I'll just kind of chat and be like, mm. which is not me. I'm more, I, I mean, I can be an extrovert if I absolutely. Right. Have but that to. tells us how much right. it meant to you. Yeah. That you were like, I'm willing to like go totally out of my comfort zone because I know I want to be here. Um, and then, you know, it's, it takes, I think a bit of ingenuity to say like, like you said, like I'm able-bodied, like give me, give me something to do. Um, you know, I tell this to my, my students all the time, the, you know, the ones who are like my college students, you know, I tell them like, they'll, they'll ask me questions like, well, can you, can you hook me up with somebody? Like, can you get me work? And I always just, I always just tell them like, it doesn't work like that. Like I could recommend you up and down and it won't mean anything. Yeah. The thing that you yeah. need to do is convince people that they need you. Like, you know, you need to think like, actually think how can I make this other this other person's life easier that's how you make yourself valuable if you're trying to think how can Emily help me like how can this other person help me like fine you know but save those recommendations for when you really need them and before you ever call in a recommendation just think like how can I make someone else's life easier Mm -hmm. how can I how can I become a part of the thing I want to be a part of without asking anybody to do me a favor. Um, and that's creative too. 
like, you know, visualizing that back door. Um, Yeah. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a quote that I absolutely love. I I don't know who said it, but they say, um, you know, life is ruled by artists and outlaws and everyone else has to work for a living. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like it. And you know what? I mean, I love it because I have, you know, I'm trying to figure something out that I don't know how to accomplish, but I'm going to get there. But really, I'm just done playing by the rules. Yeah. Right. I'm an outlaw. Yeah. Just like I was yeah. in high school. I'm. I'm. I'm going to do it in my my real life. And you know, I have four friends from high school. I still hang out with. We call ourselves Club Five because <laughs> there's five of us. Okay. And you know, we sometimes vacation together. Yeah. We have a formal sit down Christmas dinner. Cute. We meet every month and go out to lunch. Even during COVID, we just do it on Zoom. Yeah. Like everyone else. You know, these are not only my best friends, but now my just family. Right? Yeah. And I, I love these these men. I make the least amount of money out of all of them. But I have the best life out of all of them. Yeah. You know, and I, and I can say that. Yeah. Because, you know, we all sit down and talk and, you know, it's, it's about our kids or it's about our jobs. And they all, you know, one's a hedge fund manager, one's a programmer. One's a lawyer, you know, I mean, these are all very noble things, Yeah. but you know, and then there's like me, the filmmaker, but it's like, like, again, like, but you, you love, they all work for a living Yeah, 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 and I live for a living Yeah. because I, every day I go into work, I love, Yeah. every day I have a camera in my hand, I feel a sense of peace. I really do. Yeah. Like I just... I'm grounded. I could yeah. see life even better when I have the camera in my hand. Like, mm. it's just like, it's a part of me now. Yeah. Um, and it's cool. like, that's what creativity is for me now. Mm. It's progressed over so many years mm-hmm. that now it's just, uh, um, it's, uh, it's a foundation of peace for me. Yeah. Like it's I, I can't live any zone. other way. Yeah. <laughs> What does that mean? Like, I mean, I think I know what you mean because I think I feel the same way. But when you say like, it's a foundation or like, I can't live any other way. What, what, what is it? Like, do you, do you feel like it's like you, you need to be making something? Like, is it about that or? You know, know, it it is. I think I've always had, um, I've been lucky and in my career as a cinematographer, I've had, I've done films that I've could get behind every one of them. Like they weren't routine. Nothing, nothing's like, Oh, here I go again. This is just routine. No, it's it's always different. Yeah. Um, it keeps you curious. Like it it, it, does. That's, I think that's what it is for me. I feel stagnant if I'm not. I I feel that it's, it's similar to the matrix. If I'm going to quote a movie, (laughs) Or let's bring it, let's reduce it down to to you know the Matrix core story is really Alice in Wonderland. You know, if you take the 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 blue pill, you know you can yeah. stay in. You know you can stay asleep if you will. Yeah, you can stay. Or if you take the red pill and stay in Wonderland, you can see how far down the rabbit hole you you go. Yeah, I may get the colors of the pills. It, Don't roast I me think- on this. I'm pretty sure red listening. pill is the way is the wake up pill, <laughs> you know, but yeah. it's just like, that's kind of how it was for me. When you finally find what you 
are good at and what you would love to do in life. Yeah. You you take that red pill. The unfortunate consequences of that is you could never go back. Yeah. 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 Because you have now lived a life that's rewarding. Hmm. And that is more valuable than any money you will ever make in yeah. your life. And I I think why we're even having this conversation in the first place is because creativity and culture clash. Mm. Yeah. What do you, what do you mean? I mean, I, I think I know what you mean, but please elaborate. Even now in this world where there's a million YouTube stars and there's a million Instagrammers that all say they live their own lives and you know we're being fed that you're really not culture is telling you to be safe be responsible hmm. you know culture is telling you buy the house yeah have the family yeah um and you know have the job and be secure yeah you know and well i want to be an artist Whoa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Right. You want to be an artist? Yeah. That's like uh, dreamers are, yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. want to be artists. Yeah. You know? And, and, and so who's telling you that? Culture is telling you that. Yeah. Culture and creativity clash. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you mean culture like society? Society. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. sometimes culture is like, sure. Culture is an art word sometimes. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I respect that. Sure. Society. Yeah, right? yeah. Society and art, yeah, clash. Yeah, and it's weird though because so art like, like moves society too. That's why I does. thought that's what you meant before when you were talking about. I would love it to, but yeah. it doesn't in the greater scheme of things. That's why artists are rebels. Like that's why yeah. they have. I mean, why do you think artists have the tag rebel? Like yeah. here's like even the Apple commercial, like way back in the '90s. Like here's to the thinkers, the dreamers, the rebels, and it was showing all these people that are creative that yeah. have moved society. But yet this commercial is literally telling them, telling us that they're rebels. Yeah. Right. Right. Like that's yeah. ridiculous. They should be. It, here's to the leaders. Here's yeah. to the you know the people that really matter in society. Yeah. But that's not what society deems is. Uh, well, I think it gets tricky because it's always changing. Like you know, yesterday's leaders are today's like stick sticks in the mud. You know, sometimes like mm -hmm. I mean, not always, but I think that's maybe part of why create like the the active idea of creativity is more important because it's, it's ever evolving. Um, yeah. So, it, you know, I mean, I think that's such a thing. I know at least in jazz history, it's a thing like, you know, there's, there's the, the, the younger generation, whatever time period is innovating, like doing this new stuff. And the guys who are, you know, 20 years older are like, ah, you're ruining it, you know? And then like everybody who was mm. into that big, like new innovative thing, when, when the, when that crew is a little bit older they're telling all the new young people like you're ruining you're it ruining like it. Yeah. it's just this constant Funny, I, like okay yeah 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 i like that perspective That's yeah true. so <laughs> i yeah i think at least in some genres and i think i think it happens in culture more broadly too like you know these these the ideas that are innovative when you're young like stop being so innovative when they've 
come into the mainstream. Oh, absolutely. Um, sure. And they've made it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I, it's I, that I, that active creativity of kind of always thinking like what's the next which I think is what you were saying before like every project did you is different. If you're all if you're always kind of lo- like looking for that thing that's going to like light up your brain like in a brand new way you're you're pretty reliably not getting stuck. Right? Mm-hmm. I think. Oh, were you going to say something? No. No, I mean I I like I like what you said there and and I agree with that. I think you know, for me, it's like one thing I love about the film industry, and this is just me and my creative process or journey, if you will, is I will. that. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you for saying that like that. <laughs> um, is um, uh, I, I tend to, and I think a lot of creatives do this, you know, they tend to master something really fast. Mm. Um, like I was... I touch woodworking and I become great at woodworking. Yeah. Very fast. Yeah. Um, I touch art. I can be very good at art really yeah. very fast, but, and, and, and granted there, if I kept going, I could keep refining that and keep yeah. refining that. But I found that for me, my fit was film and the, and the techniques as a cinematographer, like I'm always learning. Yeah. And that's what I love about it. Like right. I haven't hit that plateau. Right. I, and I don't know if I ever will. Yeah. And that to me is so exhilarating. Yeah. Right. Because I, I, I try to teach this to my kids, um, that the journey is, you know, they, they want to get like, I want to make a million dollars. Well, what's going to happen when you make a million dollars, son? Yeah. Like you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. It's because the, having the million dollars is not important. Yeah. It's that journey. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I totally agree. And and that's what a lot of people yeah. don't see in life. Yeah. You know, and, and they don't appreciate yeah. that. It's like getting there. And, well, and that's what I like. I love to sit in there and revel. Like I love learning a new thing. Yeah. I love going, oh, that's a new way I could do something a new way with, with cinematography. Thinking. That's yeah. excellent. A new, just like a new paradigm. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, I feel like I, I feel like I kind of know what that feeling, like what it feels like to have a paradigm shift, like what it feels like to get a new piece of information that makes you see everything else a little differently. And I'm like addicted to that. Yeah, I want yeah. that feeling as often as possible, which mm-hmm. is one reason why I love this podcast because, you know, when I'm talking to people, like I will sit across from someone that will say something that I'm like, man, that is an idea. Right. That is a different idea. I'm I'm envious of your (laughs) position because I get that. And I love when I meet. uh, Now, it's interesting in the film industry. There's a lot of people like even directors. A lot of directors are attracted to the role of director because of the fame. There's an ego thing. It is, you know, and and I can navigate that. I'm actually very good at it. That's one reason why people like working with me. Because of that observation thing. Because I can be you like, can kind I know of figure exactly it out you and are. you get it. I, yeah. I, can, I can get through this. I can, I can, I can, can speak work your around it. Yeah. Um, but every once and again, I will run into a director that has such a unique vision and is that yeah. true artist. Yeah. And I just love yeah. when, like you said, you know, we'll be sitting down and talking about things. I have one in particular, a director that I've been working with for three films now. And I mean, I just love our collaboration Yeah, because 
I learn something new each time from yeah. him. And I feel that he also brings something, yeah. you know, he learns something new from me and my perspective. Yeah. We just complement each other so well because we're, we're different, but we're the same in the sense that it's like, you're we both just, invested in that. We just connect and yeah. it's just like, oh, I just love that the level you're on right now. That's so cool. Yeah. I, and I get it. And I like, thank you for bringing me it's up It's such here. a high. Yeah. You just, I was already saying it's such a high and then you said up and we're, I get it. I totally get it. Okay. Let's talk about this part C stuff, which for the listener, <laughs> for the listener, I give all my guests like a, like a prompt list and most people never, li- never look at it, but I give it to the people who might like it. Um, so the, the part C questions are the artifice questions. So the podcast is called artifice because it's a cool word that has art at the beginning. It's a cool word. Absolutely. And I love the meaning of it in the sense that I really believe that as artists, we all have a private relationship with the stuff we make. Um, and I see it in a couple of different ways. So I, I think of artifice as anything that you wouldn't guess, like it doesn't, I don't think it needs to be like an intentional obfuscating of anything. I don't think about it like that, but I, I think like, you know, um, the art, the artist has a relationship with the work that they make. Um, and for some people that's like, we can talk about identity, like how much of yourself is in it. Actually, let's just start there. So when we're talking about your relationship with the work you make, I'm curious about how you do it. Um, like, and I mean like your, your, your hackiest, like, how your brain is like figuring out how you do your thing and or more emotional stuff like how much of it is you are you in it does it change you whatever you want to talk about with your relationship to what you make okay what do you what do you oh. want to talk about what do i want to talk about <laughs> and okay. i i know the i know that the way i ask that question is very like cuz everybody's different so so let's break it down a little bit so my art, it's interesting because I have to be a chameleon. Right. Because it's not I have to adapt. yours. It's and a, like And part it's of a this collaborative whole. effort, right? And I like that. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's, it's, I'm, I'm the person that's relied upon to execute a vision. Yeah. Right. And it could be as, as easy as, well, this is a horror film. So what should a horror film look like? It looks dark. Yeah. Dark and moody. Yeah. Oh, this is a romantic comedy. What's that look like? It's bright and happy. It's yellow. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and, and everything in between. I think I have a, a certain style. My style comes out in my lighting and my camera work. More my camera work because I think that's a true extension of me. Because I'm literally touching the camera. Well, yeah. And it's also, so like you said before, you, you know, you, part of your identity is like, I observe well. That's like, it's clear that that's like a character trait that you like really identify with. And the camera is your eyes, you know, like. It is my eyes. And so right? you're, the way that you, Jason, are observant is what the audience gets to see with how you move the camera. Exactly. I mean, I literally see life through even now. I like, I look you at You kind of imagine it that way. I look at, I you're look like, at, let's I look pan this way. <laughs> I drove through your neighborhood just a little yeah, bit. Oh, right. Good. And, uh, you do you know, think I, of your blinks as cuts? And, and, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. Not quite that you're obnoxious. like, okay. And you know, cut here. 
but I, but I, but I do see things that teasing. way. Yeah. And uh, no joke, I do. And, and it's just like, it's because I'm, I'm, I realize that what I really am obsessed with is the visual image and the way light and the relationship uh, between light and a physical object. Okay. Do you want to just like fully nerd out about it? Oh, it's my absolute love. Tell us what you want people to know. It's my absolute love, right? Yeah. I love staring at everything. Yeah. You know, I love the beauty, beauty of, of a good scenery. I love the beauty of a beautiful woman. Yeah. Right. I, I love those things and how the interaction of light intertwines with a physical object. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I've, I totally see the soft light on you right yeah, now. Yeah, you're enjoying and this light from this window. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and the dots in your eyes because of that, and Aww. the three quarter view, the three quarter, you know, the little bit of shadow on this end. And you're seeing like, me as art you know, right now. <laughs> well, I have looked at this entire room, right, yeah. and and its relationship to light. Yeah, that is what I absolutely you love. It, yeah, love, and so that's what I bring out. Um. When I, uh, when I operate a camera and when I light a scene and, but it, it took a lot of growing pains to get there. Yeah. You know, I, from touched by an angel, the great thing about locations, I was in the location department was I was the assistant location manager, meaning that my job was to just make sure the crew doesn't blow up the location that we were in. Right. You know, and damage it. Yeah. We could be in a, a mansion and I have to lay down all the mats to make sure that the marble isn't scratched. You know, grips and electrics, they're just elephants in, in a room of, in always a, a room full of China. You know, yeah, they, just, yeah, yeah. Like, they just come in and, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and <laughs> the so boom is like whacking everything. My job was <laughs> to just make sure that, you know, the grips would come to me and like, you know, the DP wants us to hang a light right here. No, you cannot hammer that into that wall. Yeah. Well, we'll just fix it. No, no. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I don't care how much money CBS has. We are not nailing something to yeah. this wall. Yeah. Oh, that means I have to do three more things. Then do it. Yeah. You know, set That's it up. That's your job. Yeah. But it, it gave me the opportunity to see how every department worked because I had to talk to every department, sure. you know, uh, wardrobe and makeup. Where can we set up? You can set up here, you know, props. Where can we put our props? You can put them here, you know, grips. Don't put these things here. Yeah. <laughs> That's usually how grips work. Um, and I learned that, like, I love the camera. I stayed right yeah. next to the DP the whole time. After everyone kind of settles into the location, I don't really have anything else to do once everything's where it should be. Yeah. And then I just glued myself next to the DP. And I started watching how he did his job. Yeah. You know, from there, I became a loader. I loaded film. Today, it would be, today's language would be a DIT, where you handle data. Okay. <laughs> but I actually touched film. Okay. Um, then you become a second assistant camera operator, where, and if you see any behind the scenes uh, footage of movies, the second AC is the one who claps the slate. Okay. The clapper. Yeah. Take you know. two. Yep. Take two. <laughs> Uh, then I moved up to first AC. The first assistant camera operator is in charge of building the camera, setting it up, moving it to the different places that the, the cinematographer or the DP wants. And he pulls the focus. 
So these cameras don't come with automatic focus. Right, right. So there is someone actually touching the barrel of the camera. Yeah. With their hand. Yeah. You know, or on a dial. Yeah. And making sure everything's in focus. Wow. So if someone runs outside, you're pulling focus with that person. Oh my gosh, yeah. Or you rack focus. Like for instance, you know, any kind of like, I use uh, the story of like a baseball a baseball story. You've got a pitcher up on the mound yeah, and it's a close up, and he's, and he's worried and, and everything else is out of focus. Right. And then he looks at the batter and we throw the focus to the batter. Right. Yeah. And then we, and then he turns kind of to the camera quarter yeah. turn and we throw the focus back to him. Yeah. That's somebody's job. Right. 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 And that's what I did for several, several years. Do you think about stuff like, you know, I don't know, like building symbolism into the shot, like in terms of how you set it up, like, like, Oh, absolutely. Okay, cool. Do you, oh, oh do my you, gosh. Absolutely. Yeah, I, you know, I love more than anything to hear artists talk about just the way that they think about what they're making. Cause that is such an insight, you know, like we can know like what you make, but to know how you're thinking about it is this, is the stuff that I don't know, I think is really valuable. So yeah, go, well, go ahead. I, I think you have to have for, for my job, I have to be one part storyteller, one part technician, like operating the camera, yeah. uh, artist in that way. One part, you know, but setting it's up the, the art, shot. art of the machinery. It's the yeah. art of all, you know. Yeah. yeah. And then one part psychi- say, psychologist. Yeah. Because you have to be able to translate an emotion in a, in a, in an image. Yeah. You know, so this person, you know, a director talking to me. He's alone now. Yeah. <laughs> How do I show alone? Yeah. We can physically take people out of the room and he's alone. Yeah. Or I can put on a wide angle lens, back the camera up and show the entire room and him alone. Yeah. Or you can throw a closer lens up, a long lens, put it on a dolly and slowly push in, not out. Why would we do that? Pushing in is intimate. Yeah. But I can push into his thoughts yeah. as he's feeling alone. Yeah. You know, as he's, you know, in a crowded room, but in alone. a crowded room. And we just narrow and take out all the sound, all the noise of the mm-hmm. visual image mm-hmm. and just go right in on him. Yeah. And just isolate him. Yeah. So I've isolated him that way. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like for a majority of the directors, they don't have that answer. Yeah. I do. Yeah, you know how to do it. I'm the one telling them, like, oh, this is what we should do. Yeah. You know, at least the good directors feel that way because, again, film is collaborative. So I I would say a lot of the good directors are vulnerable enough to be like, yeah, I don't know that. I'm relying on you. And together we're going to make this awesome. Yeah. Because this is greater than each other. Do you like, um, like, leaving breadcrumbs in the film? Like... Ooh, I did this shot this way and probably nobody will notice it, but like, I know it's here and maybe some people will notice it. Like, do you, do you like to do stuff like that? I do that every once and again. I mean, I don't really have a, a signature move or anything uh, because again, I have to be more I mean, of a, maybe more like per project. Like I was just thinking this, this is the thing I'm thinking about. I list, you know, the handmaid's tale, the TV show. Yeah. Um, I listened to a recap podcast that's by these two women who were both work in film. So they notice things that, you know, someone like me watching wouldn't notice. And, you know, they will point out all of these times that the shot is set up like where it looks like an eyeball, 
like oh uh-huh. you know yeah. stuff like that like the way that this the way that the shot is framed like you can see kind of like an eye um which like has these meta implications for like the show but it might be something that most people wouldn't notice but like having it been pointed out then like when i'm watching the next few episodes i'm like oh i see it like i see the way that like the building like it looks like you can see like the shape of an eye um stuff like that um and i and i'm wondering like i mean i have to imagine that cinematography is one of these things where like a lot of times people don't see it like they're seeing it and it's totally informing what they're doing it's totally informing how they feel, but they think it's the actor. Yep. They think it's the script. Yep. yep. And so like, yep. I don't know, are there things about that that you like? Like I'm doing this kind of like secret thing that's having a huge effect on how you experience it, but you well, don't know. I mean, my heavens, even just bringing the camera down low or putting it up high or having a, a what's called a French over, you know, where the, the person is talking as opposed to like, you know, if we're, if we're filming this scene, a typical way of doing it would be your wide shot. Yeah. And then Camera's you're over, over there. And then yeah. you're over and then you're over. Right. And you're done. Yeah. And and maybe a tight on your hand every once in a while. Sure, sure, we, sure. We fiddle with the mic or something yeah. like that. And that's our coverage when we're done. Yeah. But if I wanted to make you feel uncomfortable or we were changing the subject, right? Yeah. And they do this a lot. Um, they don't do this a lot, but some cinematographers do. Uh, they'll make it a point to like move, you know, the move the camera from from one shoulder to the next, crossing the line, so to speak, breaking yeah, yeah, yeah. that line to reveal an important emotion, yeah, or something like that, yeah, right. If 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 it's fascinating. So if I was doing this and we were getting to an uncomfortable point, I would put the camera behind on this side, yeah, or I would have the over be a be where you and I are no longer talking to an open space. Yeah. Right? Because that's how overs work. I'm looking left to right and you're looking right to left. Yeah. And there's a there's an oh there's an empty space. Yeah. Well, what if I move the camera to where you were talking to the edge of the film, edge of the frame? Yeah. Yeah. That would make people feel uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or what if I was doing that and then all of a sudden you say something to me and I learn something from it? like about myself. Yeah. And then I dolly to to yeah. give the audience that breathing room now. Right, right, right. Right? Yeah. That's kind of some of the tricks I And that's I, the kind of stuff you're thinking about that I probably about. a viewer doesn't think about. They just how they do you, just feel that they yeah. just feel the scene. Wow, that was a great scene. Yeah, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like oh, I wish people knew or do you kind of feel like you nah, like I it that it's a, it's mysterious? Those that see it they get it, yeah. right? I mean, I have, my fan base is really um, small, but y- y- you know what I'm saying? Like, no, uh, like I geek out and revere certain cinematographers. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And Well, it's like a like, hidden language kind of, yeah. uh, that's why I'm wondering, like, if, if you kind of like it, it's kind of cool that it's like a little bit of a secret Sure. Like those who see it, see it. And those who don't like, it's okay. Like they're still being affected by it. I think the best compliment I could ever get as a cinematographer is I didn't feel your presence. Yeah. I think that's what I'm saying. Then like I'm into the if film you're doing a good job, it's like, it's invisible. It's not like it's, Oh, that felt awkward. Yeah. Even if I did provocative moves, 
Yeah. N- if nobody noticed it, then I did my job. Right. Right. Then I, then I successfully tricked you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you yeah. know, then I did a stagecraft. Yeah. And that's awesome. That's, that <laughs> is awesome. I have this questionnaire here. Do you want to like, just because, do you want to see if there's any of these things that you wanted to talk oh. about? <laughs> I mean, if you took the time to look at it, like, um, you know, just if there was stuff that as you were looking at it, you were like, oh, I totally have thoughts about this. You know, this podcast is such a an opportunity, I think, for artists to just like soapbox about whatever you want to talk about with art. Well, you know, the first question in number C is like, what are some things about your experience or profession that are different from what people would assume or expect. So many people yeah. just assume when I say director of photography, they're like, oh, you take pictures of the actors? That must be so nice. Yeah. <laughs> like, are they like stills? And I'm yeah. like, no, I, you know, so then it, sometimes I say, I'm a cinematographer. Oh, you're a videographer? Yeah. You do YouTube? That's so nice. <laughs> Why are those like, the people's oh. voices? I know, right? <laughs> Because it's my mom. My yeah. mom's like, I don't understand what you're doing. <laughs> Actually, my mom does yeah. very well. But, um, <laughs> but I, I'm amazed that like, oh, you know, so many people just don't understand the, um, the incredible weight that cinematography brings. Yeah. And, and before I go on any further, I have to give a shout out to every other department in the film industry because I am... You know, there's a famous quote, uh, I think Woody Allen says it, which is, you know, the the writer just needs a pen. You know, the, the painter just needs a paintbrush. Um, but the filmmaker needs an army. Yeah. And it's true. So yeah. I am, I am one, this is why I, I love the film industry and I love the people in it because... To get back to, you know, our earlier conversation, these are all artists. Yeah. You know, they are all, they have found, they have woken up, they have found their calling and they are so incredibly good at their niche. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, whether your wardrobe, I have seen, I have, I have run the gamut in my career from being on, you know multi-million dollar films, not as a DP, but yeah. as an AC, yeah. as I'm building my career, yeah. to, you know, the, the lowest of low budget stuff. Yeah. And I mean, I have seen every department kill it and every department not care. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And, but so you see those artists that love it, right? Yeah. I mean, in the, the, I just shot a movie last year, a $2 million film uh, in LA uh, with uh, Carrie Elwes. He was the star. Cool. Uh, the Princess Bride. Yeah, I know who he is. Yeah. And <laughs> and you know, it was it was a 1960s superhero movie. Okay. A lot of costumes. Yeah. A lot of period costumes. Yeah. Oh my heavens. Did hair and makeup and wardrobe just kill it? Yeah. They loved it. They yeah. loved what they did. Yeah. And the attention to detail. I mean, these superhero suits were, you know, were made yeah. for them. They yeah. weren't just like you let's know, buy this. Uh, oh, yeah. it's just a hodgepodge of let's just go right, to right, Home right. Depot and find some cool stuff and go to this uh, costume store and find some cool stuff. Yeah. I respect that kind of creativity. Yeah. But to actually like come up with like designs that fit the era and and make it from scratch. Yeah. It's just like, oh my gosh, I love what yeah. you do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, 
you know, uh, I am just as good. Um, I, I got this advice from, from Caleb Deneschanel, who's an incredibly famous cinematographer. And uh, he did The Natural, The Passion of the Christ, The Patriot, okay. uh, Jack, uh, the Jack Reacher series, okay. the National Treasure cool. uh, series. He lit all of that. And, you know, he told me that become best friends with the production designer. And the, between the two of you, you can rule the set. And, mm -hmm. you know, on this last film, the production designer, uh, Christian and I just ruled. I, yeah. You know, I am only as good as the design of the set. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and that is the that is the talent. And creativity. Yeah. Of the production designer. Yeah. So I, I, I love collaborating mm -hmm. with with smart, intelligent, creative people. Yeah. You know, a director who's vulnerable, like John McDonald, who did Hyperion's. I love him. He's my favorite director I work with. And, you know, because he, him and I, you know, just speak almost a foreign language. Yeah. You know, and we just get each other, yeah. which I love getting to a point in a relationship, in any relationship, yeah. where he can just be like, Oh, Jason, I just, you know, I, uh, he, he's coming down here and he's, uh, he's, he's looking confused and then he looks this way and, uh, that's it. And I'm yeah. Like, and they're like, I got you. Got it. Yeah. I know exactly what you need. Uh huh. I know how, yeah. you know, that's really special. And again, it's like, I have to be a chameleon because I work with different directors with different styles. Mm -hmm. John McDonald is very much, uh, an old school type director. That's why another reason why I love him, you know, he doesn't rely on special effects to get him out of things. We're very ambitious scripts, but they're like, Jason, I kind of want to get a matte artist, like a real matte artist, like in the 80s when they would paint on glass. Yeah. Can you figure out how to, how to work a matte painting into your cinematography? Would love to, John. Yeah. You know, Jason, I'm thinking rear projection, like in the 60s. Yeah. Like I'm already there. Yeah. You know, I already love figured that. it out. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing, John. Yeah. You know, and we I do rear that. projection. Jason, what about split diopter shots? You yeah. know, like like in in this movie, in this movie. That's like, fun. done. You and know? I bet that's really <laughs> inspiring for the rest of the, the team too. Oh, for so many people that yeah. like on the especially in LA where people do it, there's two types of filmmakers, in my opinion. There's those who do it for the money and those who do it for the love. Yeah. It's okay that you do it for both. I'm okay with that. Yeah. You can, here's how you can tell the difference. When I'm on set, like for Hyperion's again, that was our movie we shot, pulling off a split diopter move. And like my camera department and some of the grips and even Christian, our, our production designer goes, I've never seen one of these on set before. That looks amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. You know, you're gear I mean, nerds. It's like, yeah. You know, it's like we're, we're, we're pushing that boundary yeah. that people haven't seen for a while. Yeah. 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 You know, it just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. We try to do all these old school ways of doing film. Yeah. And we purposely constrain ourselves. Yeah. I think that's, part of creativity. I couldn't agree more with that. You know? Yeah. I, 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 I love being constrained. Yeah. And having to come up with things on well, the That's spot. the kind of thing that gives you that paradigm shift. Like, those are the kinds of things that will make you go, like, make you see a whole new possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what really, you know, if I yeah. had every toy 
in the toy box. I could make a good movie. Yeah. I could hang with the best of them. But it's, yeah, forcing yourself to create not, within a restriction is you know, a it, cool exactly. thing. Exactly. That's so much, you know, and I, and I love that. Yeah. And, and John almost, that's almost a, a mandate yeah. on our films. Yeah. You know, cool. treat the camera like it's a thousand pounds. Yeah. So we're not moving it a lot. Yeah. So then how do we tell the story in one or two shots? Yeah. Whoa, John. Yeah. Well, that takes a lot of thought. Now we yeah. have to block these shots. I think yeah. the, the art of blocking a scene is gone. Yeah, yeah, Like yeah. you look at anything in the 50s, they could run for 10 minutes yeah, that's and be all over a set. Totally. Because it's almost theater being filmed. That's something that I've, you know, so like I said, it's one of my kind of goals to start seeing the cinematography more. Like I've been trying to watch TV and movies, um, like trying to kind of notice what the cinematographer is doing. It's just, I don't know, it's something I'm curious about lately. And that's something that I've started, that's one thing that I've started to notice a lot is like how I find personally that I'm, I tend to be a lot more moved when there's, when there's more blocking and less, Fewer cuts. Fewer cuts. Yeah. It, it's, it really, it, it really, it has a different feeling. It's, it's really interesting. And so, you know, that's where I feel like I can bring something to, and, and I make a difference and, and really my creativity shines. Yeah. I think an example of that, like you said, uh, let me share with you an example. Great. I was on a movie, uh, this wonderful director, Samson Madsen, he's very creative. He had this film called Darkness and I loved it for its challenge because it was like, it takes place when all the lights shut, shut off in this yeah. resort town yeah. and how society breaks down after a while. Yeah. So how do I light something that's dark? That's dark. Yeah, totally. Believe it or not, there's a lot of lights. Yeah. But they're so, it's so different again and well-placed, you yeah. know, that they're, they're acting more as shadows and fillers of shadow. Yeah. You know, it was so much fun to light. We had this one scene, our main character was saying goodbye to someone really important who was going to stay. He was going to try to leave and she chose to stay. It was like an eight page scene. Wow. What that means is that it's eight minutes. Yeah. A page is roughly a minute Yeah. in film. So that's like an eight minute scene and it takes place in this little corner of the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, in a back room that's just like... so. He rehearses it with his cast and I'm watching and I'm counting like, okay, we have to do an over, you know, over, we have to, you know, and I'm counting it and we don't have much time. We have some time to do it, but I'm like, the rehearsal ends and I just say, I just sit there like, oh my gosh, how am I going to cover this? I've got to... You know, they turn their backs, they go this. I mean, there's no room anywhere. I have to put the camera up on like little what's called baby sticks and have it on a counter. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. get it in as far back as I can. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do that on the widest lens. It'll look weird. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't like we can start shooting this. Yeah. But it's like, this is overwhelming. Yeah. And then it just kind of hit me. I was like. I saw something one of the actors did. Yeah. She turned her back. Um, where I was sitting, she turned her back to the main actor and still said her line. Yeah. Like noir. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, that's how we're going to cover it. Yeah. So I told Samson to excuse everybody. 
and just yeah. let me talk to him. And I'm like, I dare you to do this because it is bold. Yeah. But I encourage you to film this like a noir scene. Yeah. They come in and they're always facing the camera. So the camera is going to be here where I'm sitting right now. Yeah. Looking down the, the, the hallway of this little room. Yeah. That has like, there's no room to put the camera except for where I'm at. Yeah. I'll just put a light here. Yeah. One central light. Yeah. We're kind of near a window anyways. Yeah. I'll gel the window and put another light so I can control the light source. And they do their thing. Yeah. And it becomes a dance, Samson. Whenever yeah. she moves this way, he moves the other way. So they're yeah. never behind each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. vice versa. Then she moves to the other side of the counter. He counters that. Yeah. If she turns this way, he turns the yeah. other way. Yeah. Block that with them and we'll get this all in one take. Yeah. I dare you to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he took me up on it. Cool. He's like, okay. Yeah. So I'm like, I'll give you an hour and it'll be a closed set. Just yeah. you and the actors block it out. You have an hour. Amazing. I'm going to come in and set up the camera and bring the rest of the crew in and we're doing this. Yeah. Cool. And he did a tremendous job. Credit to him. He did a cr tremendous job. And the scene being just a one shot was so powerful yeah. that it's like, I, in my career have only felt four or five performances through the lens. Yeah. Like they've hit me. Yeah. 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 This was one of those cases. Cool. You know? Yeah. And to this day, when we had test screenings before the movie aired and, you know, everyone loved that scene. That's yeah. all they talked about yeah. is that cool. one scene. And it was just like, that's where it's like, that's an example of collaboration. Yeah. But it's also an example of like, like the creativity that I had to come up with. Right. You know, to, yeah. to, 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 to tell a story. story. Yeah. Right. And everybody rocked it. I mean, the actors rocked it. Samson uh, rocked it for taking me up on it. Yeah. You know, so that's it's not awesome. just me. And and that's where it's like, that's a win. Yeah. That's, and that's and gotta be like, such a big great. feeling. Yeah. Oh, I can, great. I can imagine it. Um, that's when film works. That's those yeah. small little things where it's like, this is why I do this. Well, and <laughs> I think, you know, I was just thinking before, like, this whole thing of, you know, adults saying to, to young people, like, you can't go into film. I think it's so bizarre because film is so big. There are so many people working on it. Oh, it's an army. But I also think that's the reason why, like, people get confused by it because it's such magic that we are not aware of any of it. So it looks like it's three people's job. You know, it oh, looks yeah. like so tiny, but it's just this behemoth of a, of a, a team. I, I make it a point. My boys know this too. We sit and watch. You watch the credits. All the credits. That's cool. It is a respect to everybody involved. Mm, yeah. Because I know it and I'm okay with that. So is everyone else that the director for the most parts get, gets all the credit. Yeah. I don't need that in my life. Yeah. I don't need that validation. You just want to be making, you want to be making it. I just want to be making it. Again, I'm not in the film industry to make money. Yeah. I'm in the film industry because I found my creative yeah, to calling. To make films. Yeah. Yeah. It's my creative calling. Yeah. It's again, I feel the most amount of peace in my chaotic life, in my chaotic moods, in my chaotic mind where it never shuts off yeah. and I'm in my head more than I should be. The yeah. One thing that f I find peaceful 
where I can quiet all of that Focus. is when I have a camera in my hand. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so art is like not only my passion, it's my savior. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's perfect. Okay, I have just two questions. Um, number one, can you just tell me your favorite project you've worked on? Or if you want to give me like a little highlight reel, that's fine too. <laughs> if you're like, ah, I can't pick one. But. I, I, I think it was the last two films with John McDonald. Again, such a, a creative director. He's going to make it in the industry. There's no doubt about it because he's just so unique. And he has a very Wes Anderson look, but I have to be really careful about that because it's not Wes Anderson. Yeah. You know, it's not a Tenenbaum ripoff. It's not a... Yeah. You know, it's it's a distinct style and and he pushes me creatively yeah. and that's what I desire. Yeah. Right. Uh, Hyperion's, you know, we had been talking about this movie for for for, for four years. His first movie he made, uh, we made four years ago. Yeah. Right. Or five years ago now. And then it took four years to get the money and the people involved and everything to, to do this second film. But, you know, he would send me art and he would send me inspiration and he would send me like, you know, like a vision board these. kind of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I would just get so excited. He had he had this room that was four walls and a ceiling and all four walls were projection screens. Cool. Or they were they were walls that were animated. OK, Jason, how do we do this? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. like. I, that's one of my most exciting rooms I had been looking forward to that scene. Yeah, yeah. The whole movie, you know, was to build these rear projection r screen rooms. Cool. Sync all of these projectors. Yeah. To, to animation. Cool. Uh, you know, and, and have it play real time with the actor. Yeah. Inside the room. Yeah. Crazy. And, you know, it's sad because it's probably... John and I would love to spend an entire day in that room. Yeah. And we probably, we probably got an hour at best and wow. it probably yeah. is, oh, it's two minutes of the movie. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> Wait, what movie is this? Is it out yet? Uh, it will be out okay. later this year. Well, you know, COVID. <laughs> yeah. Do you, can you tell 2020. us? 2020. Can you tell us the title so we know what to look for? It's called The Hyperions. Okay. Okay. You've been talking about it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. 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 That's just been, I mean, well, I'm excited it's my to latest see it. one, but it's really one of my favorites just because again, cool. uh, you know, the creativity of all parties involved, it, it's just a fun yeah. project to be on. Yeah. Right. Sounds amazing. Okay. I always ask everybody the same question at the very end, but maybe before I ask the final question, is there anything else that you feel the need to say about art, about creativity, about your life as a creative? It's okay if there's not. I just want to, I just want to tell you, this is it. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, you know what? I mean, it's just like, I'm very grateful for, um, I'm very grateful every day for my career and my, my life. It has definitely had ups and downs. Um, you know, it has not been perfect, but it's allowed me the opportunity to meet incredibly creative people. Yeah. And I mean, just groundbreaking people yeah. in, in this world. And I, I think 
if I could convey anything to your audience, it would be that art is so important in life. Um, You know, and art is being um, threatened on a policy level and, you know, taken out of the schools, uh, given less importance. Yeah. When, you know, given less money. And, and that is not only a shame, it's, 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 it's heading society to a disaster in my opinion. I agree. You know, art can help whether you grew up creative and, and, um, fine tuned it and honed your skill and ended up being in a creative industry like myself, like you, yeah. or you never been creative your whole life. Creativity and the arts at a certain point is, it, I mean, it's, it's healing for me, right? Again, mm-hmm. it's like, it's, it's what calms me down because mm-hmm. we never talked about like my vulnerabilities. Yeah. Right. D- yeah. Yeah. And, and what art does is, not necessarily protect me from that, gives me the strength to face them. Yeah. Excuse me. I just said that with another guest like a couple weeks ago. You're, you're not alone there. And, you know, I mean, societies have figured that out. Uh, you know, the Greeks, Greek warriors, when they came home from battle, guess what? They had PST, PS, PTSD. PTSD. Uh, yeah, yeah, thank you. They <laughs> had that as well. That is not... Uh, you. You know, oh. ubiquitous to our generation only. Uh, yeah. Um, and you know what they required the soldiers to do? Was to write plays. Wow. About their experiences. Yeah. So they can have and some catharsis. It healed them. Yeah. It healed them. Art healed them. Yeah. From their traumas. Yeah. When they were allowed to express it in an artistic way. Yeah. So they didn't feel vulnerable, or maybe they did, but they felt protected and or shielded by the art right and they found a place to express it Mm -hmm. and they found people to appreciate it could you imagine what we could accomplish today just based on on a healthcare level yeah if art was uh was more um was more appreciated and embraced yeah for for people coming home from war or people dealing with trauma in yeah. their lives, yeah. whether that's domestic abuse or foreign abuse, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a, a tour of duty. It's just, it's, it, it's, it's a shame. And, and so, you know, what you're doing and just having a podcast that talks to artists, I think is, is Thank you. one of the very, I mean, it's, it's not only, it's, it's beyond a first step, right? Thank you. But it's necessary. Yeah. And and I certainly appreciate that, and I appreciate my uh, the 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 uh, um, you know the experiences that I've had in my life. Because at the end of the day, I can't take money with me. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I die, but yeah. hopefully, I can take my experiences with me. Yeah. And I well, be- I believe I can. Yeah, I I totally agree with you, and I and I I think I feel the exact same way art is really powerful and not just as like, Oh, entertainment or how we spend our time, but like 
as an active means whereby we can be better people. We can treat each other better. We can see each other more creatively. We can see the value in like what it is to be a human in like a non, like, you know, you just kind of said like, I can't take money with me. We get so, we commodify our lives in these ways and art is a rejection of that, you know, or it can be, um, a way to say like, you know, it's not about the money that I'm making. It's not about the, you know, the product. It's like, it's a, it's a, it's an experiential kind of a thing. And by necessity, creativity is about like what's new, what can be, you know, um, yeah, brand new, you know, I don't mean like what's new as in what's groundbreaking, but like something that is new, um, and making something with other people, making something for other people, um, making something of other people, you know, mm. um, I don't know those skills. I agree are the skills whereby we like heal our society. Yeah. Um, I really think so. Um, even if it's just, even if it's, even if it's mostly a thought process, a creative thought process, um, I think it would go a long way. Okay. The last thing I ask everybody is on this day, what's your dream collaboration? Who would you love to work with? If you could snap your fingers, you can build a whole team. (laughs) If I could build a whole team. Hmm. Wow. I haven't met that many. I mean, I have met plenty of people, but you know, it's like, it's, it's funny you say that because you know, John again and I have talked about like, we're slowly building our team. I think it was just John and I, our first film, we looked at like, how many people are with us on this adventure? How many people believe the same thing we believe? Yeah. And we were just like, it's just you and I. Yeah. And then this last film, Christian, our our production designer okay. and our costume designer was just like, okay, they believe the same thing we believe. Yeah. They're on our team. Yeah. Right? So that's building the team. Uh, someone to meet and collaborate with. I have known uh, Bob Redford, Robert Redford, for over 20 years. Um, we didn't even get, get into that part of like how I kind of honed my craft as a cinematographer, yeah. but, um, I have, I would love to work with him because he, I, he's truly, uh, someone I believe really talks the talk and walks the walk. Yeah. Right. He believes in independent film and the independent voices mm. and truly wants to facilitate and help yeah the that art no matter what it looks like yeah and he's he is someone who you know i have respected over the years and i've had the opportunity to to be around him but i've never collaborated with him boy would i love to collaborate with him that would be a dream uh any actors or actresses that you that you'd love to film (sighs) i i hate actors (laughs) (laughs) There's no one that you just think is is magic when coupled with a camera. Oh, you know, <laughs> I've don't even get me started on. I can I can go off for an hour on actors in my and 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 there are wonderful ones out there. Yeah. So just know that. Yeah. Like I'm not saying everyone is bad, but I have some strong opinions maybe about Utah actors and I'm not afraid to admit that. Um, well, you can pick like, anybody, I know, anybody, anyone, anybody, even any, someone anybody. who's dead, anybody who, you know, would, who would you love I to would film? I would love to work with David Tennant. 
Oh man, he's so amazing. Oh my gosh, I love he's David. He's so Tennant. incredible. Like, it, it's so funny because my wife and I like. It, maybe this is a little inappropriate, but we have our list of like, well, yeah, you know, your, if Jennifer Conley, <laughs> if Jennifer Conley, uh, you know, if she, she, if she flirts with me, I'm sorry, honey, I'm gonna, I have no I choice. I have no choice. It's Jennifer Conley. <laughs> Jennifer Conley like, is amazing. And she's kind of like, well, Jude Law is the same way with me. And yeah. I'm like, well, yeah. And she goes, David Tennant's the same way too. And I'm like, <laughs> me too. Oh, actually me too. I could go both ways with David it. Tennant. <laughs> I love it. That's so funny. I don't think that's inappropriate. It's hilarious. Um, yeah, that's great. It's Jennifer Connolly, your your favorite leading lady. Oh, uh, yeah, she is. She's she amazing. Is. She is. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, okay, the final thing is tell everybody where to find your work or where to find you. Oh, you know, I looked on your website. It's not finished. Oh my goodness, my. You know what? I'm just too busy. Like, yeah. I don't have a website. <laughs> you can. I think you know there I is a website. Reels. I've yeah. got demo reels on YouTube, and you can find them there. Just type in R Jason Ball DP. That's for director of photography. It's just R. Jason Bell DP, and you'll find me. Okay, cool. Um, and I've got a small footprint. I, again, grew up in a generation. I miss that generation. I'm not all over the web. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, um, the, the film industry is a small niche industry, even if you get to L.A. Yeah. And that's where people know me. Okay, um, cool. But you can definitely check out. And can we like search your name routes. on like IMDb? Will we find like oh, this stuff? Oh, absolutely. I'm okay. totally on IMDb. Okay. Okay, cool. Yep. Jason, thank you so much. It was great to talk thank to you. Thank you so much, Emily. <laughs> it was a pleasure talking with you thank and I you. appreciate your work and what you do. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from My Album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel and ad segment music by Jerem Hansen. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.